Express elevator to hell. Going down. Two. One. Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Paul. On this very special episode, episode 54, we are reviewing The Lighthouse. Our something to scream about, we have another interview special for you. And our movie from the vault is Aliens. How you been, mate? Fucking hell, someone's got a bit of fucking energy this week. Jesus Christ, we had a sleep. I'm pumped and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm all fucking good. I'm all ready to talk me some aliens and some masturbating light keepers. <laughs> That's what I'm uh, looking forward to. <laughs> oh, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Um, but yeah, been a good couple of weeks. You know, I've watched uh, a bit of Jaws, bit of Jaws 1, bit of Jaws 2. Realised that Jaws 2 is fucking brilliant. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. It's more like a teenage coming of age movie, I've decided. It's fucking good, man. I haven't watched that one in ages. Um, what else have I watched? Don't know. A bit, bit of, bit of alien, aliens, alien free, fucking alien resurrection. Christ, just tearing for him, mate. Nice, lovely. What about you? I've watched Bugger All, apart from the films that we reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> been off it mate i've been i've been i need to get back on it. i need to get back on things because there's a lot of things coming up so busy been interesting. lots on shudder at the moment i want to next couple of weeks i'm going to set out to watch a lot on shudder fill your boots i will do and heredit hereditary has just dropped on netflix as well so i may give that a rewatch i think i might give a rewatch as well actually may do depends if i can be bothered <laughs> Tell a lie, I did watch The Shining because um, I purchased a nice um, projector and I did watch The Shining because uh, my wife uh, has not really properly seen it all the way through. Oof. So we sat down and gave her a little bit of schooling in The Shining. She really loved it. And, but it was beautiful, just on a big, massive, it was like about a 100-inch screen. It was uh, absolutely beautiful. That was can't, wait, can't wait to enjoy that screen when we can... Uh... You know, unsocially distance ourselves. We okay. will. Right. Should we get into some goddamn news? Let's do it. Right. Fresh off the bat, Dude. I think uh, tr- first I'll go the trailer that I saw. Um, Kevin Bacon Ooh. in a new in a new movie with um, what's the name? Amanda Seyfried is it as well? I love should... the Bacon back in some horror. Yeah, you should have left. It's going to be released on video on demand on the 19th of June. And it's sort of like a spooky ghost dimension. So it's, you know, a scary house movie, maybe on the lines of Sinister or something like that. Not really sure. But yeah, it looked quite interesting. Definitely looking forward to that one. It does look good. It's always good to have a bit of bacon in your life. And it says everywhere. Right. So that means tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if, today. <laughs> if it is everywhere then that might be one of our future reviews. We shall see. 
Um, what else we got? And Supernatural horror classic The Changeling is being re- remade by director Anders Ungstrom. Mm. We still haven't watched the or- original yet. That was one of our one of our ones that we saw on um, the eighties horror doc. That was definitely on our list to watch. Yeah. Bit of a ghost story there. Yeah, retail that one. That looks good. Um, Stay Young Forever with Cronenberg-esque breeder. Uh, basically ahead of the virtual the virtual cans market. Um, shares a, There's a trailer out there for the Danish horror movie Breeder. And it's been described as a Cronen-esque movie. So no, that should be quite interesting. Mm. Um, what else we got? Can't say that one. <laughs> New, quite a few movies dropping on Shudder at the moment. There's an interesting one which we might look to review in future episodes called Warning, Do Not Play. And it's basically about a horror movie filmed by a ghost. Yeah, I saw the uh, poster for it, but I didn't actually read any write-ups for it. I think it's Asian horror, but I don't know. Um, directed. Is, uh... Yeah, directed by Kim Jong-un, so Asian horror. Well, I, we love a bit of that. That's going to be Dodge. So, yeah, that might be on my list in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think that's it. That's all I got in terms of that. I think um, there's a, apart from there's a Jeffrey A. Brown's The Beach House is... Um, you bastard, I'm sh- talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> is being dropped um, on July, uh, July 9th. Um, it stars Daniel Kurland. Um, about what's it about? You've done a lot of research, haven't you, mate? Like, nah. very professional. Hoping to reignite their relationship, <sighs> Emily and Randall arrive at their weekend getaway, only to discover a peculiar older couple already staying there. They all agree to share the home. And after an indulgent night of partying, wake up to a living nightmare of apocalyptic proportions. Apparently they're saying this movie is absolutely insane. And it's going to be like, uh, just hit the ground running and be like a massive movie. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for July 9th. And that is definitely coming to Shudder, that's UK and Ireland, on July 9th. Oh, it's been described as a powerful emotional throwback to the 50s sci-fi, so fucking bring it on. Damn right. Damn yeah, man. Fucking loving it. What you got then, boy boy? What you got? What you got? Well, I'm, I'm going to start with the sad news first. Uh, but unfortunately, we're recording this on the day that uh, Ian Holm passed away, obviously, um, from The Hobbit and uh, many other films, including Alien. But yeah, it's really, really sad. Um, I mean, he's, he was very, very old. Um, but... You know, what an actor, what a legend, and obviously uh, one of the old Alien crew, which was still surviving. So, but yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Bilbo. On a little bit of a um, kind of a bit more upbeat mood to it. Um, have you seen that Joe Cornish has been in talks with John Boyega for Attack the Block, a sequel? Oh, mate, I know I did have a little, I did see that in the news. I thought that looked fucking, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. I, I, I watched, awesome, I've watched Attack the Block quite recently. 
and um, I think it's a great fucking movie. Oh, holds up. Creatures are brilliant, isn't it? I yeah, definitely. It. Yeah, but I'm all over that. I would love to see that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that, that actually goes through. Um, also, I don't know if you saw, I posted on our Instagram, um, there was an artist that basically has done loads of Simpsons um, kind of pictures, and they're yeah, all done, like a, a horror kind of style. I posted them because I thought they were absolutely brilliant. There's like um, it, uh, Pennywise from, you know, from it. He's done Lisa as kind of an exorcist. He's done um, Marge running away from Jason and stuff like that. But the, the concept on them, the art on it, it's brilliant. It's really, really cool. And he, and he um, sells his stuff on an Etsy store as well. But on you can find him on Instagram, um, pbmahoney underscore art. Um, and the art is by Peter Mahoney. But I just thought I'd give him a shout out because it, his stuff is awesome. I thought it was really, really cool. But he's got loads of other stuff on his um, site as well, on his Etsy site. So go and check it out because there's some really cool stuff and it'd be make some nice gifts for people, especially the Simpsons fans as well. But he's got loads of other stuff. So yeah, check him out. He's really cool. Um, NECA have just dropped that they're releasing a King Kong figure. Ooh. And he looks awesome. He looks really, really cool. I mean, Neko just bringing it out of the game, the game out at the moment. They've got absolutely loads of stuff coming out. You know, Bats of the Future um, and King Kong. And, like, they've got some new alien figures coming out as well, which is really cool. But, um, yeah, go check it out. I posted a picture on Instagram again, so check it out. He looks really, really cool. Well, someone just had their birthday, didn't they? So someone's got a few, few little toys, haven't they, Matthew? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, I've got some. It was my birthday in the week, and I got some really, really cool stuff. And you got me a brilliant Hannibal Lecter pop and a T-shirt. Yeah. Last exit, which was beautiful in midsummer. But I also got the Haunted House Lego. Yeah, that you were banging on about a couple of weeks ago. That looks fucking sick, man. Can't wait to get onto that, mate. I can't wait to get that. So I got two more little bits of of news, and then we're going to have a little chat about something. So, first part is, now because we're doing this episode and obviously our move from the vault is Aliens, there's been a lot of talk about the Alien franchise in the press lately. So, we've been told only, what, days ago, probably, that there is a 50-page treatment been sent out. Because obviously Disney now own Fox, they've approached... Sigourney Weaver, she hasn't signed on the dotted line yet, but hopefully, fingers crossed, something will happen. But she is in talks. But old Rid- Ridley Scott's got his oar in as well because he's going on about he still wants to make another movie um, in the Prometheus trilogy or whatever he's doing. So it's all up in the air, but it's looking promising, to be honest, with Disney behind it. So is this Scott um, Blim, what's his name? No, Blumkamp. No, it's not, not his. It's not. Not his. his so still totally hiding away from that. I, and it, it breaks my heart because the whole thing was that he said, like, you know, Alien 3, it's not going to be set after that. It's going to be straight after Aliens. It's going to have Hicks. It's going to have Newt. And it's going to have Sigourney. Did the concept art, did the story and the script. And it just looked oh, amazing. Some of the concept art of Hicks with just, like, acid burns all down in his back in his like his uniform and stuff and you're just I like don't know, i don't i don't know if we'll ever get to see that no i know i think okay. that they might just do a whole 
I don't know. They might just, I don't know. I really, really hope that they just don't. I want to see more and I want to see, I would love to see more of Sigourney because I think she's great, but I, I just hope it's done properly and treated really well. Um, but to be honest, I'd love to, I loved it. To, I'd love it to go back to all action kind of bit of Marines action, maybe or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But it's good news. It's good news that it's bouncing around and, and fingers crossed. Bring on another alien movie. Always love them. So our last little bit I want to talk about, obviously you've heard the news and I've heard the news, that cinemas are opening. Yep. Uh, was it July 10th? How do you feel about this? July 10th. I mean, look, I'm missing them. I don't think, I don't know if it's too soon or what, but as long as they put in, you know, the right level of uh, care and safety and stuff like that, then why the <laughs> hell not? I mean, I, I'll be there with, I'll be there on day one. Yep. Definitely, absolutely. I'm, I'm that sort of person. I mean, I've been self-isolating by myself and, you know, I could, I could quite happily, you know, me and you meet up down the cinema, watch maybe, I think the first movie was going to be Saint Maud. Mm, they've got Tenet as well, it's coming out as well. Tenet, yeah. Um, you know, Quiet Place, I think, is pegged for, Quiet Place 2 is like August or something like that. But like, you know, Ghostbusters is on the pike and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it, you know. Definitely. I mean, we've got to support. Don't want to lose them. Yeah, if we if we if we lose them, then it's just the, the worst ever. But I really hope that they can do stuff because I think I think they're going to bring out a load of classics and rerun a load of stuff as well, which will be really really cool to see. I saw Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. As, yeah, uh, that's pretty on cool. That. So maybe yeah. I mean, I'm there. If they haven't got anything to go, you know, I'll probably go and watch some classics. I I love going to cinema. You know, it's a it's a definitely a weekly sort of um trip to the cinema is what i need so yeah, yeah bring, bring it on man can't wait uh, well, I hope be... all the best all the cinema chains out there i really hope that we can get through this hope, and... yeah we hope swindon's one of them yeah definitely because our one's pretty you know the one over where we are west swindon and stuff they they could do it this is quite open you know there's no catching areas as long as it's like you get in and all that sort of stuff. I don't mm. know if you have to wear masks. I don't know if I was. I don't think I want to sit there and wear a mask for an hour and a half. Or it might be hours. that you have to wear it in, but then you take it off when you sat down, maybe, and maybe you put it back on if you need to go to the toilet. Because that's the only thing I can see that's going to kind of bring a problem is where you have to go past people. And if you're wearing a mask, then it cuts down. Yeah, true. So you know, I'm all game for that. I don't think you'll have to wear it all the way through the movie. I think you might have to wear it to your seat and walking out to to lose or or you know stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. It's, I think it's done a, sensibly. I think there's a creepy horror movie there in its own, mate. People going into masks with masks into the cinema. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, scary, interesting. But yeah, that's all I got. So yeah, quite a lot of bit, quite a lot of news since so there's a lot on hold at the moment and you know you'd think that things would be slowing down quite a lot at the moment but it just seems like it's just you know ticking along quite good i'm waiting to see like the uh you know there's been a few like videos and stuff like that and that people have been publishing around like making their own sort of horrors i mean if we're going into the conversation around um shoots and um movies that could be made and produced the 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 movie we're about to talk about is definitely one which they could have done in a uh in a covid world which i think we'll get into that in a moment but yeah should we do that should we just get on to our main review yeah let's do it all right cool
Timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Right. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 80s, 90, 1890s. We're, we have watched The Lighthouse directed by Robert Eggers and starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Two fucking heavyweights as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Well, Willem Dafoe's fucking got a, f- a big cred. I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about Antichrist. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> Wild at Heart, you know. He was in Wild at Heart, wasn't he? I'm not going to get shot by John by getting another thing wrong, am I? He gets blown up. His head gets blown up by the shotgun. Pretty sure I'm right with that. If if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, John. I'm definitely making. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Got that one right, John. What you got to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) Since I watched that movie. Yeah, I know. It's just anyway. that's, that's one that's just popped up on Netflix. Anyway, aside from that, so Matt, over to you. Let's talk about some masturbating lighthouse keepers. <laughs> Mate, well, I've been. I really, really, really wanted to watch this in the cinema, and no matter what I did, for some reason, whatever I did to try and go and watch this movie, something was in the way of stopping me watching it. Like, first of all, it wasn't even released where we where we live. Then I actually went to London and I had a spare like four hours um, and I went to like so many different cinemas and like loads were showing it, but obviously only it was at the end of the run. So it was only like at the end of the day. So I couldn't even catch it there. And then I finally, finally um, just gave in and just ordered it and I just thought I'll wait. Um, and yeah, it came in the post, a really nice first edition Blu-ray, which is really nice. Um cracked it open some nice little postcards inside and put it on and just gave it a whirl and i was um yeah interesting i don't know if i liked it i don't know if i understood it totally which we'll get on to later on but however um the acting in this film is absolutely superb i could see something like this done on like if it wasn't, you know, had the sea so involved with it, I could see it being done as a kind of like theatre piece, like a show. Yeah. yeah. Um, because obviously it's two, it's, it's a, it's like a two-way kind of conversation piece. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just shot beautifully. Obviously, the fact that it's black, black and white is different. Um, I really liked Robert Eggers' The Witch, which was beforehand, which was again set in New England. Um. And I really loved that film and I, I thought it was fantastic. This is so it kind of it is quite different to that though, this one. So this is just insanely crazy. Um and I think I need to give it another watch. How did you feel about it? Uh, the way I sort of looked at it, it was like in that sort of ilk of like a psych it was a psychological 
horror which like dealt with some really interesting sort of um topics one obviously um toxic mas- gonna spoil this by the way yeah uh, yeah so like one like to- toxic masculinity um uh, sort of your sexuality i thought like alcoholism complete isolation um it just like it felt very powerful mm-hmm. um and in these two chaps are on on this sort of small lighthouse um island and you have robert patterson as the wiki which i still need to look at what exactly i guess it's just gopher but um he's sort of like being commanded by um you for the first you thought they were both there to sort of like do you know take care of the the lighthouse but then as it progresses like where was it uh wake william defoe's character um is very is the older one and he's very commanding and it's like you are doing all the fucking shit jobs and he's not no sugarcoating you're doing all the shit jobs and um you know robert patterson's uh character um who we later discover you know there's a twist a bit later but anyway but he um What's his name? Euphorium. Uh, he's got a really, really, really weird name. Y- Euphorium, I think his name is. Um, don't think it's, it's, okay. Yeah, so it's it's. Uh, I, I don't know how to say this. F F Winslow. So we just call him Winslow. Win- Winslow is what he's called, but you know we find out later. But it's just really interesting. Watch the tale. Uh, you know, he goes along. There's um, some like. Um, like a one-eyed seagull taunting him at one stage everything's kind of taunting him and I was just like, like those seagulls mate again i know we've talked on the brother how the how do they train these seagulls because they're awesome yeah mate i don't know it must be a seagull wrangler but carry on but it was just it's just really interesting to watch and it's just watching this like complete fall into sort of like alcoholism you don't know you don't really understand that any have any concept of time on it and you sort of you don't really know what's what's happening at what stage, but it's mm. just fucking weird. It's weird. It's weird, dark. I I thought that kind of like because they're supposed to be on the like on the rock for uh, four weeks and then they they get a changeover. So yeah. it's only a month. And I was thinking, you know, well, a month. I know it's it's not really that long, kind of like a spell of time to affect somebody that much in kind of ways where you're kind of like so isolated i don't think i you know it would happen so quickly but then you look at the the situation and why uh, robert pattinson's character's there and then what starts to happen to him and the way he's getting treated day in day out physically and mentally you can see why it deteriorates quite fast. Yeah, you say that. I mean, but we were in, you know, we were in kind of isolation for being put in isolation now for what, three months and stuff. And that first month was fucking, was Breathe quite, me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. It's quite daunting and stuff. And like, yeah. when you've got that sort of the element, you're open to the elements, you've got these seagulls that are bullying you, you've got a bloke that's bullying you. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no water. You know, he was, a seagull. <laughs> was he drinking just alcohol all the time? Was he constantly drunk because there was no water on the island because the water system was broken? You know, that sort of thing. It was weird. I think he was constant. I think that's the whole thing. I think he was constantly drunk all the time. That's the way I saw it. I don't think 
Um, it was so, it was so bizarre. That's why at one stage he'd said that the ferry was supposed to come, but then Will, um, Old Wake says actually no, it was supposed to come two weeks ago. And it's like that's why time has just completely deserted him. And he doesn't really know what he's what he's doing. Um, it, it's obviously been raved about, and it because it is like you said, it's a, br- a beautiful location, uh, a beautiful set. And it's shot in, you know, an unusual aspect ratio, which they love. And it's got two stunning actors, two stunning leads who fucking... Yeah, performances, amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... I forgot, I don't know about you, but I completely looked at Robert Pattinson in a completely different light. He even looked different to me. He didn't look like Robert Pattinson. It was like he was totally, completely in that role. Yeah. Um, and we know William could Defoe can do it because we've oh, seen yeah. him time that's, and time that's again. The thing, yeah, I mean he's he's you know he's a you know seasoned actor, isn't he? I mean he's been around the block. But yeah, I really I thought they were just both brilliant. I was just absolutely just blown away by the performances. I just yeah, the storyline was just so crazy. I mean let let's talk about the masturbation scene. <laughs> Straight on with the wanking. What? Which one? Which masturbation scene? Well, I, I mean, I like, I like the way he was. Um, like the way, what? I like the way he was using. He, well, he had, he had to, have, he had to find some material, so he'd uh, found a little kind of, um, what was it, little mermaid out, that was made out of wood that he used as yeah. material. But the first time you see anything, un, you know, of that, um, that nature, was um, uh, Willem Dafoe. He's and he's spying on him from above. Old Wake is spying on. Spying on uh, Wake. Doing the roof tiles, yeah. Yeah, and you can see him, you know, diddling. Um, and there's a, and he, he has his way, then he has his way with uh, his little wood thing, which he's having sort of like weird, um, I don't know, visions of like... Hallucinations, yeah. Hallucinations of mermaids with big vaginas. And I always wondered whether they had a vagina. This, if you ever wondered about mermaid vaginas, as I have in the, in the day, then this will give you an, an understanding of uh, the anatomy of a of a mermaid. So that was uh, quite quite interesting. But the fucking like, let's say Antichrist. We, if you've seen the movie, and I'm not going to mention it, you know the scene I'm talking about. Oh, fucking god. But there's <laughs> there's a scene in this where he's definitely having a wank on up on the up on the lighthouse which he won't let he won't let um young young robert patterson sort of up up at the lantern at all he's like you, uh, you do all the shit jobs the lantern's mine don't go you know i lock he locks it and he locks he's there being naked and all sorts of stuff up there but he does have a wank up there and that jizz come drops down um through the through the grate the stairs do you remember that yeah i don't know if that was or whether that was just I don't know because you kind of see him. You think he changes, and you kind of see some kind of almost a serpent type thing kind well, of crawl. He, he keeps seeing him as a a sea beast or something at some yeah. stages, and you're like, is this going to be a? Is this going to be like a weird, like monster movie or something like that? And it's not. It's just it's just his complete and utter um, deluge into alcohol. You know, into not probably not drinking any water. Not really eating properly, and right. Let's go on to the eating. That's that's yeah. one bit I absolutely loved in this film was the whole monologue when, <laughs> when, 
when old Wake gets angry because he he doesn't like his cooking. <laughs> really <laughs> offended, wasn't he? It's just, uh, that bit was just amazing. That's when I saw like William Defoe or his character Wake. It was just uh, amazing when he just like the he just obviously you can tell that's just one take. It's just like non-stop. And I'd love to know how much of that was kind of like off the cuff. Or whether it's just all scripted because he just goes mental, or because he doesn't like his lobster. It's hilarious. Yeah, they have and some. His constant farting. The fun. It's hilarious. That was. I mean, it was disgusting, and you could. I. I could. I felt the dis- disgusting, and like you know. I mean, yeah. If if I was trapped in it, like we've been trapped, you know. There's, yeah, there's, I doubt, I doubt yeah. you in small places. Yeah, that's what you're trying <laughs> to say. I understand. I understand <laughs> I, his pain. I understand his pain. And I really felt it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, um, yeah." I'd have, I'd have to say, I'd have to say something. But some of the like real shots are like absolutely wonderful, like stuff like when they're eating dinner, and like you've got the lantern, and then it creates these sort of real big shadows. It's so clever the way they use that sort of lantern to create these beautiful shots. And it's, it's clever, man. And um, poor Robert Pattinson's told not to touch the seagulls. <laughs> what does he do? I mean, that fucking scene is brutal. Brutal. He's like, and look, great as well. Well, he goes to. I didn't know what was in that because he goes to get some water again, and sludge yeah. comes out of it. But apparently, it's like blood. That's supposed yeah, to be blood. There's a, there's a dead seagull in there, isn't there? Yeah, I don't see how much, a bit, one dead seagull is going to create a load of blood. That's what that adds to the whole hallucination thing. But then one of them comes down and has a pop and he grabs it and he just wails on it and wails on it and wails that on it. It's, it's, it's quite something to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then immediately the, the winds change and we are in a completely different situation there's now no escape from from the from the island for them the isolation's been there and now there's actually no escape for them both and i think this is where the horror sort of comes from and this it's, it's in in the situation and some of the visuals i suppose it's like i i call it like one of those like a, you know a disturbing horror if you like so it's it's just got disturbed with disturbing in imagery and sort of a real a real fit it's a thinker like a24 it's come from a24 so again <laughs> they love their thinking movies don't they well i don't i think that, that I, what i like about a24 is that they push the boundaries and and they don't have a theme running through the movies but what i do like about a24 is that they're, they're all kind of different in different ways and they and it's interesting storytelling no matter how you feel about the movie no matter what film they bring out there's always an interesting talking point or an interesting thing about it or it's different or it's somebody acting different in it to what they're used to and you know it's 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 just they're very clever they're very clever at what they pick and and who they back and what they release um but it makes you are they make you ask more questions than yeah. you get more you ask more questions than you get you're given answers when you watch these movies mm. and i think they go for, and i think you know i really do think they're clever in that market for like that whole rewatchability because you know midsummer yeah. midsummer has got so many layers to it and got maybe a red, cult, cult feeling about it yeah yeah this one was weird 
but again it was a strange movie um because it also it kind of it, it starts off very stern and then they kind of make then they get a relationship and then it starts to deteriorate and then they form another relationship where they're oh they're back friends again and then they break up again it's just like and then you get to the point where you're kind of like is this reality is this made up are there two people on there is it just one uh, it's just like what what the hell's going on yeah and you, it makes you question their what kind of relationship they've actually got is it a father son is it two men um in a situation is it two men who are attracted to the other or one attracted to the other and one isn't and you know and that sort of thing it just makes you go what what are they sort of getting at and it's like yeah this and the, the deterioration is very interesting to watch um and i think that's what is the draw to the movie it's not our usual sort of you know fucking uh gore fest and well, stabby, no, it's not stabby, stabby. The, the road horror no because yeah i just think it, it's, it's clever what it does but there there is one point where i'm like it's kind of like i don't want things to kind of be wrapped up and told what the whole reason is for everything because i like making my i think i think the film is there to kind of say you make your own interpretation up of what you think is happening i don't i don't know i mean what do you think do you think there's an actual answer to what is going on and why this is happening i mean no but from what i know what i got from it i know that what i saw and what i sort of like interpreted was the fact that you know you've got two two chaps caught in a a situation which is i think is happening Mm. i think 50 50 of it is happening you know he's definitely he's definitely there i think Mm. they're both there Mm. (laughs) and um but i think some of the stuff he sees is you know from Absolutely, sleep yeah. deprivation and alcohol in, and having too much fucking sauce especially when they start yeah. making their yeah especially when they start making their own alcohol um so yeah. it's just like it's just one of those things it's like when you get dehydrated when you get sick you're gonna see shit you're gonna see weird shit and so we're gonna get we're gonna and we see those hallucinations from, from and and when it comes a bit wrong when they have a fight and it gets out of control that's all it's when it gets a bit fucked up do you we want to talk about um Robert Pattinson's character's past. Yeah, go on then. Well, I just thought it's interest an interesting kind of little twist is that he's made up who he is, taken another man's identity to basically get to the middle of nowhere, away from it all, because he's kind of on he's on the run. That's where. That's what I think. That's that's the same impression that I got. Yeah, that he killed somebody and took their identity and. Or there was an accident that he was responsible yeah, for. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it's just like the guy who whoever had the accident was apparently, I think, uh, kind of uh, bullying him and pressuring him and stuff. And that's why he didn't help him. He just let him die. That's what I got from it when he was talking about it. Right. And then that's why he feels a, tre- a tremendous amount of guilt as well on top of everything else. And, then, and that's why I think he's also in that kind of mindset of he feels guilty you know as well yeah yeah um, and he needed to tell somebody and you know telling um awake halfway through the movie is kind of like his kind of release of that yeah. guilt on his mind but so his his robert Pattinson's real name was thomas howard 
Yeah. And William Defoe's name was Thomas Wake. Any connection there, do you reckon? Like, as in, that's why I was like questioning whether even like William Defoe's character was there. But I think you're right. I think he was there. I think he was there. I, I think in I think in that situation, because I did question it. I was like, uh, if you is there all is there two? Is there always two? I wouldn't know, but I would imagine so. Um, but that's something to think actually to look up actually to see if it is, um, because yeah, it's strange. Even even they might even be the same person. Just yeah, left the island. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, yeah, crazy film, crazy film. The way he was, the, yeah, the ending, the way they sort of pan out on the on the last shot is fucking very very nice shot, and it's very very um, interesting demise and very graphic and stuff like that. The last sort of thing, but we'll leave that for you guys to. I mean, you hopefully you would probably watch this anyway, but mm-hmm. I won't. We won't talk too much about exactly how it's ended. But I, I think the ending was just. But I don't I'm, know what. I'm impressed only as well. It's such a big kind of film um, that shot so good. Uh, only four cast members, which was interesting. Yeah, they oh. those. So it would have been like obviously Winslow's actual character. They used a different actor for that. Plus the mermaid got a character mm. with a. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite, quite interesting. I was listening to a podcast with them both on it, and it's quite funny listening to it because they were talking about getting into the characters. And it turned out that William Defoe was um, kind of putting this really nice, um, plush cottage, like with loads of heat in and, and like three square meals a day and stuff. And Robert Pattinson was putting a shit on, apparently, <laughs> which is quite funny. I think that's kind of right, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that kind of. Probably did it on purpose. Yeah, well, it adds to the characters because definitely mm. there's there's definitely that rivalry and that jealousy. Like you know, William Defoe's character is like the one that is you know has been there before, and he's the more authoritative role, and he does kind of look down, I suppose, mm. on on that on that character. Definitely, that's, that 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 feels right. Definitely doing that. <laughs> yeah, very interesting, very interesting movie. I'm glad we watched it finally and um finally yeah yeah i don't know if you know i don't know if there's more to explore from a second watch it's just a bit messed up but it's it's a beautifully shot movie if you like that sort of thing if you're into if you're a bit of a a cinephile i suppose and you like those sort of and you liked our conversation around midsummer and stuff like that and you like that sort of movie smash it if you if you want to just watch a load of blood and guts it's not really for you you know there's no comedy Really? <laughs> I thought it was comedy. Well, anyway. maybe. <laughs> you score it, mate. You go first. What, what, are you, what are you giving this oh, one? Oh, God, this is a hard one. I think... It I, is really hard. I've got to look at it from, like... Because, you know, enjoyment factor... Well, you know, it doesn't not really there. But, like, I did... I, I thought about it. It stuck with me. And I wanted to question it. And I read some shit on it. And it was really well shot. And it was a unique experience and a unique story so i gotta give it props for that so i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten that's that's eight breaths out of ten for you i think i'm gonna go slightly lower um performance is amazing keeping me entertained it did it interested me like you said it got me thinking a lot but i think you know it 
I'm not going to say it's not my sort of film because I mean I'll give anything a go, but I just think for me personally, I I think the hype that was around it and everything, I think my expectations were very high. So I think I'll just have to give it a little bit lower. So I'm going to go seven breaths out of ten. All right, mate. But that's just me. I mean, I think I think you're wrong, but it's fine. (laughs) Each to their own, mate. Yeah. But yeah interesting one so that's a draw on last breath you know seven and a half out of ten <laughs> not bad not bad not bad little story but next one i don't know if it's going to be i think it depends what's about i think we're onto a bit of serious horror at the moment there's no there's no there's nothing fun at the moment like real you know like quiet place too i look was like quite a little would be quite a nice little fun horror to watch or something like that but i think there's a couple of uh, we're going to go for a phase of a few serious horror movies, especially if, like, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to end up watching Saint Maud and stuff like that. So we'll keep you guessing, because we're guessing, on what we're going to do next. <laughs> but look at that ghost uh, movie that we talked about earlier, if you want to watch a movie, because um, that's a possibility. Scare package is a possibility. Um, we're still looking for Becky, The Lodge. <laughs> So, yeah, never movie we went a long time probably. They, those movies were ones that we're after. <laughs> there you go. Right then, let's move on to our something to scream about. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? Why do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? So this week's something to scream about. Uh, we had a interview with Russell FX. So this is a um, two team husband and wife. Uh, they do special effects. Uh, Sierra and Josh Russell, and they've done effects, special effects on things like practical effects and special effects on VFW, Bliss, Dark Light, The Ritual southbound halloween 2 and many many more um so i thought it'd be great to reach out to them uh and get a interview with them and they were so so nice to say yes really really nice couple and they are excelling in their field of uh, practical effects and they're just brilliant to talk to i could have talked to them for hours but um, uh, apologies on the start of it i missed out a little bit because the recording went wrong and um, it comes in just as I'm asking them kind of where they first started with their interaction with horror movies. So it has, it does come in a, a strange bit because I missed about 20 seconds off because of this shitty recording, but it's a great interview and they're such nice people. So here it is. My parents couldn't stop me like wanting to know more and more about it and see the movies, even though they were horrifying. Yeah. Mine. Um, I mean, I've, remember constantly re-watching the TV movie It over and over again. Um, but also, it took me until I was in my late teens, early 20s to actually watch Nightmare because I tried watching Nightmare on Elm Street and it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I was jumping, you know, jumping to the bed. I was definitely like, he's going to come under the covers, that whole thing. So, um, yeah, Nightmare is also, like, one of the biggest, uh, I don't know, trauma, but also favorite movies, which 
we also exchanged Freddy Krueger gloves. So I think that, you know, Freddy means a lot to both of us. So that's a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can totally understand that. I'm totally, totally with you on that one. It's my first memory of horror as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a great one. So can I ask you, what kind of made you want to kind of take this special effects route um, and work in movies with special effects? Uh, well, when I was in prison, my cellmate said, go, go and do special effects when you get out because like, you can hide the bodies really easy if people just don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. <laughs> truth, truthfully, I, for me, I just started making my own like, versions of movie props as, as a kid. I just loved crafting the things that I saw on screen with whatever I could find or use around the house. Like, I mean, I think it started again with a Freddy Krueger thing, like taping knives onto a gardening glove or some shit like that. It's just like really heinous for a child to be doing, but it developed into like, I got good at it and I started making things that people would buy from me on the internet. And then eventually found my way, like stumbling into a film set, and it just became like, I guess this is what I do now. Very like natural and organic. Yeah, I uh, Day of the Dead. When I saw that, I I just knew I always knew I wanted to work in movies, and it was one of those. And I always knew I wanted to be an artist. So seeing that, and I was like, well. How the fuck did they do that? Sorry, I'm cursing. I curse. That's uh, be fun. Yeah. So, wanting to know how 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 do they do that? Right? It's like movie magic. Like, how is that done? And I don't know. It was just one of those, you know. Once I, it was a little serendipitous or whatever. But I just I found my way into it because that's what I wanted. So I mm -hmm. just and head first, which isn't easy. But um, lucky enough, being in LA meeting people that are in the industry uh and then yeah just saying i'll work for free teach me kind of deal you know mm. I imagine it's quite hard hard as well starting out um because uh, i suppose you have to start at the bottom and kind of work your way up is that kind of what you guys did or or did you kind of go straight in with kind of the big effects and stuff like that i mean for me i had to start at the bottom i'm self-taught but so is Josh. I'll let him speak for himself. But for me, I, I definitely was at the bottom, like working my way, like watching over everyone's shoulder, asking as many questions as I could. Mm -hmm. I kind of like you. I mean, you. The first movie I ever worked on was Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, and I I just broke onto that set. Like I snuck on onto the set as an extra, and then sort of beelined into the makeup room. And they, I got lost in the chaos because they were doing this huge party scene with like 200 extras that all had to have makeup and stuff. So I just got behind the table and started doing it. And the people who were supposed to be there didn't really have time to, to figure out why. They, like someone just said, there's that guy over there. I don't know, he's doing cool stuff though. And they just let it happen. So that was like my first experience being on a set. So I didn't know any better. I sort of weirdly stumbled through a career. Like after that, I was able to write that movie on a resume and then show pictures of my work. So then I just started taking the, the um, lead effects position on 
very small independent movies that I would find on, mm-hmm. on Man.com or something like that, whoever would hire me. Um, but I, it never even occurred to me to try to find other effects people and work underneath them and build my way up through it. I, just, I was just like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I was very naive about the whole thing to the point where, like, you know, I didn't have a lot to lose so so there was it didn't feel like i was taking big risks Mm -hmm. but i guess in a way i was gambling with my future wow that's that's interesting that's interesting though that's cool so who would you say kind of growing up for both of you who would you say your major inspirations would be i mean i mean obviously like dick smith exorcist uh again i didn't even know that that old age makeup was an old age makeup for the longest time, right? Uh, and then uh, I really love Steve Johnson um, and all of his work. A lot of my favorites are usually like Steve Johnson designs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, all, all, I mean every, all the heavy hitters, right? There's always like respect for each one. Each movie is has something in it and and i think back in the time besides you know dick smith or you know even as far back as like with all like the lawn cheney and all of that um there was at least some point in the 80s and 90s where everyone kind of at that point worked together because it was such a special thing mm-hmm. and it is still a special thing it's very specialized it's a little bit more flooded now with uh, people wanting to do it which is great but different um so yeah, you get a little taste of like so many different artists. Um, but I would say like, yeah, Dick Smith and Savini were the, the two that really popped it off, right? Sure. Anything to add? <laughs> yeah, it, was, I, it wasn't like that for me. Oddly, the makeup effects part of it didn't even come into play until I was like doing it already. Uh, I always watched behind the scenes on my favorite movies. So I was sort of, I was aware of the makeup effects guys peripherally and I think absorbing a lot of their information just through osmosis of watching the behind the scenes stuff. But it wasn't even my peak interest. Uh, I, for me, it started out with like the, the puppetry and animatronic and creature side of things. So right out of the gate, Jim Henson's Creature Shop, everything that I grew up watching through them, like from the very, earliest memories Sesame Street so I was fascinated at the kind of costumes and the nature of how that stuff was done and it got hammered home like nothing else with the uh, the Ninja Turtles I remember having this 30 minute behind the scenes video about how the Ninja Turtles were built for the second film and just watching that VHS tape on repeat over and over just mm-hmm. fascinated these animatronic puppet heads and then a couple of short years later Jurassic Park came out just blew the doors wide open yeah and during that period of time in the 90s there was a tv show called movie magic on the discovery channel that was a very documentary style show that would just go into these creature shops and and you could see the details of how this stuff was being done i was just chewing it up so that's how my career began like being influenced by those kind of people and i started making um props like Michael Myers masks, Freddie gloves, Jason masks, that kind of stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those makeup effects kids that was sitting in the garage with my friends experimenting, gluing stuff on my friends' faces, like so many other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Didn't even occur to me. 
until I was like getting hired to do that work. And I was like, oh shit, I guess I better learn what someone else has to say about that. And I bought Tom Savini's Grand Delusion books and just absorbed whatever I could through there. Hmm. I was 19 years old by that point. So yeah, all about Jim Henson and, and, uh, and Stan Winston's dinosaur oh, work. Oh yeah, brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. So the first movie that I must say that I probably saw with your guys working it was Southbound. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, when, when me and my friend watched that movie, we were just blown away by the, that effect scene. Um, what can you tell me about the process of that? Because that was just insane. That was our first time working with our buddy Dave Bruckner. Um, and he is super specific about what he wants to see on screen, which we love. Like the, the directive from the very beginning of the project was it, we need to see this girl's stomach get cut open see a guy's hand go inside of it. And we're going to be wide enough so that we can see underneath the gurney and see that we're not hiding her body. So like we were challenged with creating a magic trick which is our favorite shit. So we, we just like, could not wait to figure out how to approach doing that. Um, and then we had, we had the actors come in. We did a live cast of her torso, and we sort of devised a way to make the gurney hide her body but not look like it was hiding her body by having the production design give us a, a mattress pad that was a four or five inches thick we could lay on top of the gurney and cover with a sheet. And hunk out a, a channel for her body to sink into while we built a false body on top of it that was like not a complete rounded torso and legs but more of a, a shell that would go on top of her existing body proportions okay leaving us a just enough room a few inches where we could put a protective layer the actor Mather Zickel could physically cut into the fake torso with a real scalpel and just barely slide his hands up inside. Uh, he couldn't move around or do anything. All the mm -hmm. interior that you see once his hand goes inside was shot inside of like a fish tank. But um, it, it was, it, it worked well enough that we could do this big master pull, pullback shot and reveal that she wasn't like, you know, we didn't have her body on some slant board traditionally what they would do in Day of the Dead or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, let's see, her fake, she had a fake leg. Yeah, that I was going to say, the, the scene where he's carrying her in, that that yeah. is just so crazy. It's <laughs> crazy, dude. <laughs> just hanging off. <laughs> yeah, we had, um, we had two different apparatuses that had to work to pull that off. One of them was sort of like a sleeve that would fit over her real knee and just had this very thick prosthetic of a, of a gash or gap. Okay. So we didn't have to do any VFX cleanup. It was just, it was so obtuse and gory enough that you, you kind of bought that it was hanging on by a thread. And then there were shots where we actually had to see it like flop and dangle. Mm -hmm. her. And in that case we did use, we put a green sock on her real leg and attached a fake floppy leg that would, Right, right, okay. Wow. Um, I have to talk to you also about The Ritual, uh, another fantastic movie that you guys worked on. Um, 
uh, it's very close to our hearts over here, obviously, as well, being a British cast and stuff like that. Um, when we saw that movie, again, we're blown away. And the, the creature effects on that creature is just just absolutely brilliant. Um, how, how about the... How did you go about... Did you design the creature? Did you have involvement on designing that, that kind of whole concept? So that was our, you know, thanks to Southbound, we got to do the ritual being, you know, established and good friends with Dave Bruckner at that point. And he, he brought on designer Keith Thompson to um, conceptualize the creature in 2D. Okay. And between us and David and Keith and a couple of guys at the Imaginarium studio, it sort of became like a, a little bit of design by committee. But because the source material, the book, doesn't really give a description of what the creature is. So it was just a completely blank canvas to start with. So Keith Thompson gets most of the credit here. He just started throwing stuff at the wall and mm -hmm. he sent over all kinds of weird designs. Um, so many imaginative, awesome looking things, but they just wouldn't have been implementable like in a practical sense. Like, I remember one thing I always bring up some design he sent that looked like kind of like a, nightmare tree trunk made out of cow hooks i mean it's fantastic the way but yeah realize it in a film would have been almost impossible yeah so then then over the first draft of the creature we ended up with and like it caught everyone's eyes straight away david became obsessed with it he had to convince the studio to go with it because it was so sort of out there like having the human torso for a head yeah. kind of just the visuals of the thing were were just something like none of us had ever seen it before so we backed david up on that decision got the studio to agree with it and then just started to hone it in as a as a committee like i was saying before we would just go back and forth and say well what if this portion of it looked a little bit more like this it'll be easier to hide seams blah 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 um does that answer your question from the design stand outstanding yeah yeah but it, i just want to say that that was brilliant that that whole scene with the creature and stuff like that is just we're, we're big on our creature features and stuff like that so we love all that stuff but we thought that was absolutely amazing brilliant stuff um, I mean, it's one of the, our favorite things that we've done as well it's it's fantastic do you guys still have the creature yeah oh. well Ariam took the uh the hero practical full-size head that was used in the filming and we still have the molds so we made another copy for ourselves to hang up wow. on the top wall so yeah we have that giant head um that's like big enough for a person to fit inside of and then we also have the the clay maquette which is like 24 inches tall Sweet. Uh, the design maquette that was used to create the the cg model for the film Awesome, awesome. That's so cool. I would love to have one of those in my house scaring the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you guys were at Fry Fest last year. Yes. I saw you there because me and my friend, we went, uh, we've been a few years now. Um, obviously, you were there with Darklight and Bliss and the movie Short Gutter. Um, Darklight, another kind of creature feature uh, by Padre Reynolds. Um, absolutely astounding movie again we loved that um watching it in the prince charles as well was great um how was your experience at fright fest what was it like 
been wanting to go every year. We, it seems like we always have three or four films in there. And last year we finally got the chance where we weren't bogged down with other work. And we just decided, screw it, we'll make the trip. Uh, it's fantastic. We'll go as often as we possibly can. Uh, Paul, one of the guys that runs with us, is just absolute darling with us. He, he gave us badges straight away. He had no idea we were coming. And we showed up and said, hey, we've got like five films in the festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's right up there with the best fest experiences that we've had anywhere else in the world good to know. Good to know. one of the best ones like as far as atmosphere and fun we we've been to we just came back from like sundance uh earlier this year with another dave bruckner film and the film's great and the you know having a movie in sundance is is cool but the festival atmosphere is just not anything like the kind of fun that you have at one of these party fests, like Fright Fest. I'm totally honest. Uh, maybe you've been over here. Like, if you ever have the chance, go to Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Go to the Chattanooga Film Festival. That's, I would imagine that's similar. The yeah, Fest yeah, yeah. that we have in LA, which also from the ritual, we became really good friends with uh, Sam Troughton uh, from the movie. Um, he's one of our like best buds, love him to death. Uh, so he actually uh, was doing a film out here and we actually took him to Beyond Fest, which was a lot of fun. So he got to experience that. But um, yeah, it's hard because I think, again, like film festivals and festivals period are just becoming like a huge thing that people want to do, right? So mm -hmm. there, it's hard to find something that still respects the cinema and the artists. Um, I think now, you know, like Josh was saying, Sundance was just like such a, it was a real droll. I'm like sure was, you can imagine. Yeah. It's just a bunch yeah. of hobnobs. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of suits. It's the know. same with Tribeca. It's the same with, uh, we, we went to Toronto International Film Festival for the ritual. And, you know, again, great to have a nice midnight movie premiere at a big, well-known fest like that. Yeah. But, there was nothing else beyond the premiere for us to do. It wasn't a fun atmosphere. Like very, very corporate. Yeah. We love how Frank Fest is contained within like those two theaters that are very near each other and all the activities are sort of announced to all the patrons. Everyone it's it's like a real festival atmosphere, whereas the other ones feel a lot more like markets. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. So I gotta ask you about the whole kind of Bliss VFW. Now, Bliss, we put in our, basically, I think it was number two of our top 10 movies of last year. Absolutely unbelievable. We were so lucky to be at that premiere in, in, at Fright Fest. Blew us away. The buzz around that movie was just awesome. Um, and obviously, we, we reviewed VFW. Absolutely loved it. It's one of our favorite movies this year. What is it like working with Joe Bigos and Josh Efer? see um, those those guys look like they are so much fun to work for uh yeah i mean we're uh, they, we've been friends with those guys for a really long time um they're just part of our little la horror community you know you said you interviewed graham skipper we've been friends with him forever so like we, we just have this circle of these people but um bliss was the first time we got to work with joe we had done the short Josh Ethier directed prior to that uh, called Gutter. Gutter. Was, well, we, we, got, we got to see that as well. Oh, wow. That, that, uh, spoilers. 
it's on YouTube anyway, isn't it? I suppose, but that that head scene, wow, out of this world! I, I, the whole screen clapped. <laughs> it was just like, oh my god, round of applause for that. Uh, that it's just that that short was just it blew us away again. It was just fantastic. Yeah, those guys. We had been wanting to work with those guys forever. It just so happened that um, after the Mind's Eye was Bagos' previous movie to uh, to Bliss. I mean, he, he just had that big gap there, several years where he was trying to get stuff made, and it kept falling through. Mm. We were working with all of our other friends peripherally, like Graham. Uh, so Joe finally got fed up with waiting and and was able to scrap together like a very meager budget through some friends of family to create bliss. He just said, fuck it. I'm going to do what I know how to do a down and dirty, like indie backyard film shoot with all my friends. Yes, he, yes. he just came to us and said, you guys are going to have to do this. Sorry. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. How to blow up a body with no pyrotechnics. <laughs> Um, did, did, is, is that sort of shooting did you like that sort of shooting because I was talking to Graham about it and like I was talking about kind of the the way you must kind of all work together is 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 a lot more intense and just getting in there getting down and dirty doing all these different jobs I mean yeah it was awful it was, it was horrible. horrible it was terrible <laughs> uh, I fought with Joe almost every day it seems like there was, I mean, just her, so he found a loft, again, gorilla shooting, right? So found a real shitty, shady loft, downtown LA, four flights up. We had to take the stairs. We couldn't use the elevator for like all of our stuff. So, you In know. The dead heat of, dead of the end of summer, like August. It's, yeah, so it's. 100 degrees outside and being in this small loft with all of these bodies hiding behind a wall like her painting was that she builds is just in the middle of this loft that's a what like i don't not yeah. 20 people but it felt like a million people were stuck touching one another sweating just dripping sweat it was at least 200 degrees in this it was disgusting that the feeling that you get, especially when those girls, you know, spoiler alert, are fighting at the end in all of that muck is 100% how everybody felt making that movie. And so I can get relief. I mean, everyone gave their heart and it was insane and it was crazy. And I would definitely do it again. But while you're doing it, you're like, this. why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, I think that's <laughs> why the movie turned out so well, because we, like the conditions were so disgusting and horrible that you sort of had to commit to the idea, like, if we're going to suffer through this, it better be goddamn at the end. So let's do the best we can. Oh, but look at look at the finished product. Oh my word! Seriously, um, yeah, just amazing, absolutely amazing. And VFW. Um, I want to talk to you actually. That Graham said you've got a Graham skip ahead. Have you still got that? Wait, wait, we have a few of them. <laughs> Uh, we, always, we always make a joke and it's still on the table. Uh, we will make Graham skip our sex dolls if anybody needs or wants. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we... Uh, well, and that was for Pete. No, that was for... Our first time meeting Graham was doing Worry Dolls, another Patrick Reynolds oh, yeah. film. Uh, Graham came to the shop and got life cast and then we went out to Mississippi on location and shot his death scene which is a gigantic drill through the side of his head mm -hmm. uh, so yeah we've got those, those fake heads of him kicking around 
we, we still use them like whenever we can obscure his face enough, we'll throw that into our other jobs. We actually made one to use in Bliss. Oh yeah, we, we did another one in, in VFW. Yeah. Shit. Bliss and VFW, we, we made more fake heads of him, but they got destroyed. We blew them straight up. <laughs> awesome. That, that scene is just brilliant. This, this, that first bar scene is just like straight in there and it's such a shocking moment. You're like, here we go. This means business. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Brilliant stuff. And obviously you work with Graham on a sequence break, which was really interesting, really David Cronenberg style. I love the way you guys um, did the kind of like, um, kind of machine, the, the, like the effects on that were really, really cool. Really, really cool. How, how did you guys just come up with that idea? Was that a concept that you come together or? Well, Graham knew, like Graham, Graham was, Graham knew what he wanted. He, he gave. Yeah, his points of reference, you know, yeah. like Cronenberg stuff, Videodrome. Right. And if you throw Cronenberg at me personally, I could do it with my eyes closed. Like I love that kind of aesthetic and look. So I, you know. I remember making jokes like, Graham, is it okay if I make some of these buttons like turn into little buttholes and things like that? And he's like, I love buttholes. And, you know, it just like goes on yeah. from there. And we're like, yeah, make it super gooey buttholes and all this stuff and phalanges and all of it. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was very like similar budgetarily to, um, to uh, a movie like Bliss. So, there were limitations and Graham, while he, he wrote everything that he wanted into the script and he knew visually what he was after, but he was also very open to hearing anything we had to say about it if we said something was gonna be too difficult or you know, in some cases we would ramp it up and say, well, why not have this entire thing be dripping with, I don't know, I can't think of an example, but uh, bottom line, we were, we were pretty free to create the effects the way with the we wanted to and experiment and play around with it until we liked it. And then we, we were able to secure uh, a second unit shoot after we did, we, we did principal photography for a couple of weeks and then took a break while all that got edited and came back like a month and a half later to do an effects only portion of the shoot three or four days. We just stayed in the warehouse and spent all day long with just a couple of people behind the camera crew you know, plugging wires into Chase Williams' face, or we had, if you remember a moment where the, what, what's the female character's name? I feel bad about that. Well, I, I know it was so Bobby, long. but, but I it's the actress, the Bobby from Southbound, uh, her character comes up out of some black goo, like the, the poster of The Descent, you know. That was actually Graham's wife, Jordan, that had to be covered in this Bobby wasn't available anymore and she, she didn't, we don't put her through that Graham doesn't mind putting his wife through that kind of stuff she's just covered head to toe in black slime absolutely horrible sounds fun sounds fun what is next for you guys what's next on the cards what can you talk about yeah that's the thing there's uh there's things that I would love to talk about but we can't um exciting things come yeah but if we really can't even yeah uh, but the, uh, we do bodies for NCIS, so, you know, tell all your moms and grandmas about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you did, you did narco stuff as well, right? Yeah. You did, yeah. Yeah. You killed uh, Pablo. Pablo Escobar. 
Awesome. Any any plans on any more Joe Bigos numbers coming out? He's uh he's trying to get some stuff going. Yeah, he's got at least two two pots on the stove. He's trying to suss out. So yeah, sure. I really hope to see more stuff from you guys um, working with him, and I I, I want to see loads more stuff. Um, I'm gonna delve deep into your catalog and have a look at some of the other stuff because yeah, it's unbelievable stuff what you're doing and. Uh, you, I, all, all I can say is keep doing what you're doing because I can't wait to see more of this stuff. Seriously. Thanks, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, especially in this weird time that the entire world is in. It's yeah. Awesome. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, like, oh, yeah, we could fucking make cool shit. Let's do it and really inspire one another. Definitely from, from uh, on our podcast. We're massive fans of you guys. We're massive Joe fans and stuff. Um, like effects is the thing we we were brought up on as kids and it's something we want to continue to kind of champion on our podcast massively so it really really does mean a lot to us to have you on thank you yeah we're happy to be here and happy to come back anytime and discuss more of this stuff if you find anything else you like absolutely we would love to have you back on but all I can say is thank you so much for taking the time out with us. Uh, we really do appreciate it and just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Oh, brilliant, Matt. Thanks for, um, thanks for the interview. No worries. It's a pleasure doing it with him. And uh, we hope to have him back on at some point. It'd be really cool. But they're really, really nice couple. We love talking. I want really interested in all the fucking special effects or that stuff. So that's like so fucking cool that, we're, that you get to talk to like a couple of people in the actual who are doing it. Who are doing the dirty work. On on the front lines. Yeah. Good luck to them both. Cool. Right, well, I suppose what's next? This, we, now we need to move on to our movie from the vault. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the running line. Yeah. Item E! Yeah. Item E! Yeah. 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 You on the running line, Ray? Get down the die! Get on the running line! Nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there! This episode's movie from the vault is a biggie. 
is a personal favourite of mine. Top five for sure. It's 1986 Aliens. So do I need to do a plot for this? I'm going to anyway. Ellen Ripley is rescued by a deep salvage team after being in hypersleep for 57 years. The moon that the Nostromo visited has been colonised, but contact is lost. This time, colonial marines have impressive firepower, but will it be enough? This time, it's war. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, last time it was fucking pure horror. Now we're looking at fucking pulse rifles and and fucking shit i mean this this is directed by um james cameron (laughs) obviously starring sigourney weaver as ripley again um as uh, michael beam as hicks lance henriksen as obviously bish fucking great and bill paxton as hudson amongst a plethora of other you can't but you can't you can't not you can't miss out Paul Reiser, mate, for, for his book. <laughs> Classic eighties staple. Yeah. Game over, man. Game over. How many times am I gonna say that? Mm. I mean So where did I, you first I, this movie? But where did I first watch this movie? Oh, I don't know. This is one of the ones which I sort of watched at the same time as say like Robocarp, Total Recall. This is up there in terms of that sort of era. I reckon sure. I'll probably watch this. The golden age. Yeah, like, I reckon maybe I was 11, 12, I think, maybe when I watched this the first time. Um, quite, because this has been quite one of the early ones and stuff like that. It may even be younger, to be honest. It's such a fucking, you know, awesome. It was such an awesome experience watching this the first time around. Like, I don't know if I found it scary when I was a kid. I just was like, fucking, come on. Yeah, just shoot some fucking aliens, man. And there are some scary bits in it, definitely, you know. But this, the the sort of bits you remember are always the the finale, you know, with the, when she's got a bloody. All right, hold on, hold yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it's just always it's one of my favourite movies from when I was growing up, you know. It's just fucking awesome. So many like rememberable characters in it, and rememberable one-liners, and just like action sequences and stuff like that and it is there is still a lot of horror to it you know and the aliens are still fucking scary where they can come from and there's some real moments and we'll talk about that later in terms of where the horror actually comes from in this movie because it's not all action there are some very very well thought out set pieces in this what about you when was it when was your first time my, you, my first time I, you, cherry i was basically my first time I didn't even watch the movie. I heard it. And I was way too young to be like even listening to this, let alone in the same room watching it. So my sister was in a separate room watching it with my dad. And I went around my dad's for the weekend. And I was very, very young. I must have been so young because he used to get all the movies from the video shop as soon as they were released. So obviously I didn't see this at the cinema because I was way too young. But he obviously rented it first week it was out. So they watched it, and all I remember from this film is that I was in the hallway playing on the stairs with my Star Wars characters, because I was still playing with Star Wars characters, and they were watching it, and all I did was hear what was going on, and it gave me nightmares. I was absolutely petrified from what I heard, just the screams of the aliens and, and people screaming and not knowing what was actually going on. It was even worse. 
I'm sure if I sat there and actually watched it, I probably wouldn't have had nightmares. Um, and it probably took me a good couple more years till I actually took up, you know, got the balls to actually watch it. And my God, it was the best thing I ever, ever did. Because this film is a masterpiece, a complete masterpiece. I mean, I love Alien, love, love, love it. But there's, you know, there's a lot of films that have, a, you know, another movie follow it that don't kind of, you know, there's a lot to compare on and they, they kind of don't move it on and they don't elevate it. But the thing with, with Aliens is that it came along and it just, it didn't blow Alien out of the water. It just took that Alien and and saluted it and did the film justice and brought it onto another level in an era where action was kind of like huge. Um, you know, cheesy one-liners, huge. Action, huge. Let's put it alongside Aliens and Horror. Put it together. Get new boy James Cameron to do it. Um get a brilliant cast and like you said earlier the set pieces and the cast in this they're they're kind of one of the main hooks in this film as well as everything else like the sets the storylines the the special effects the fucking one-liners everything in this film just gels and makes it a perfect movie it's it's just amazing I remember the debate, mate, the, the debate you'd have with, for people. Um, and everyone says, oh, there's never a sequel that's better than the first, better than the original. And it's like, well, actually, Aliens. And you're right saying it, it elevates it. And you always had that conversation. With, did, was Empire Strikes Back better than New Hope? Was Aliens better than Alien? Godfather 2? Those sorts of questions. And I don't know, man. This was like the one for me where I'm like, when I was a kid, this is better than the original. Not like, I think, but not, but not a million miles not no, really you've recently rewatched alien and you've found a new respect for it you've talked oh about fuck it. yeah exactly it's so, so hard to separate you're right. I think as a kid this would appeal to you way better because it's got guns and action so, <laughs> yeah but then when you look at them side by side i i can't really compare them both it's really hard because they're kind of different in in different ways but i love them both the same it's like your kids you can't say which one you love the most yeah i agree it's but, it's really 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 hard to. So let's get let's, let's dive into this. Let's get let's get going. So we, I mean, the first thing I have to say is Vasquez is cool as fuck. Vasquez, yeah. Uh, she she beats the fuck out of you though. And we we talk about like strong female characters in movies and stuff like that. And this is 1986. About any doing that way before 1979, mate. She was kicking ass. Yeah, true. But again, it's. Yeah, there's a bit of, um, you know, a bit of tar, but she holds a, fu- a bit of like, you know, sweet talk and all that sort of stuff and the 80s trash talk. But she fucking holds her own, right, in every fun. She's a fucking badass in that movie. I wish she'd survived, but the way that she went out was fucking awesome. She just, it's the way she went out the way she lived. She was just incredible as a character. You know, I, you know, fuck all the rest of them. That's the one I wanted to be. Oh, what? She had the best fucking gun. Come her on. and her mate. Come on now. She wore it better than her mate. Just those two characters. Who's the character with her? Drake. Like, Drake. Yeah. So her, her and Drake. Oh, my fucking word. They there's just there's to... a little story. They were given a little story to work on their characters. Apparently, right. they came up together through, like, um, juvenile, um, in um, juvenile kind of criminal prison together. 
Right. And they, they looked out for each other, and I think that's where they formed their relationship. That's what they were given, apparently. It's but, just, it, you could just feel it. It's so yeah. tight, man, between those they two. Never, they never say that, though, about um, Vasquez and Drake, that they're actually fucking or anything, which I thought that was cool, because you kind of know they've got this relationship where, like, they're best mates. Yeah. Um, and they've been through loads of shit. And it, they didn't even have to say about it. They just, you know, straight from the get-go. This is respect, man. Yeah. I loved it. Even when they're fucking, like, doing the old pull-ups and shit like that. It's yeah. Fucking cool. Then you got the pussy. The pussy of the group, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, effectively. <laughs> I was like, Jonesy's not there, mate. He was left behind. Hudson. Yep. You know, he's a fucking little whiny bitch, really, any. He is. But, you know, he, he has his job at the end of it. He does. He does. He does have a job. But um, it's interesting where it start, all started and stuff. Like that. Obviously, you know, she's there's, there's this scene, obviously, where she's telling them what happened. There's so much. Not very so, much either. She don't go no. into They're like, oh, I'll just read the file. Just make sure you read the file. None of them are going to read that fucking file on, on what's happened. Might, you, Ripley, you might want to tell them they got acid for blood. Yeah, just that. Yeah. Just yeah. tell them that. <laughs> But yeah, it's crazy. It's funny. You've got so many like that. It's just so much well layered in terms of what's actually happening. You know, like it goes and it does kind of mirror the the first one in terms of how they and even the third and, you know, into the fourth where they want they want this thing. They want this as a weapon. And like everyone who sees it, it has that sort of you have that person who has that idea oh, we need to have this. And yeah, you've got well, that in, in the lawyer, haven't you? Yeah, I think, I think they just kind of continue that on a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, y- y- I like the fact that, you know, that you don't really find out about that is that, that Burke is is kind of like, no, 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 we're, we're literally just going there. Um, it, you know, we're not, we're not going to, you know, we're not taking anything back. You don't even have to get out. You just have to kind of stand there and watch and we do all the work, which is not true. <laughs> I mean, let's even, I know we've quick, quickly glossed over it, but obviously, like, let's talk about Ripley. They, they obviously find her and then they tell her 57. She's been out there 57 years. That's fucking crazy. And her fucking daughter's dead, um, which she just finds out. And just like pretty much probably everybody she's known is dead. Um but so she's just told that you're talking shit basically by yeah. the directors you don't know what you're on about you don't in know fact you blew about. up our big expensive ship all right you so you're in the doghouse if anything mm. <laughs> so yeah it's crazy can i just ask you, you know, which version did you watch the special edition the 1990 special the, the edition special edition cool because it's so, so i know yeah because it just has a little bit i remember always like I prefer I prefer the, yeah. the extended totally because it just gives you that little bit extra, doesn't it? So yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, let's go back. Because I didn't because you don't know it's the family. So like even like right, so where this all kicks off and stuff out, you got obviously the whole place has been terraformed. Has it been terraformed for the reason that um, did they know that they should terraform that planet at the start because there was this there was this shit on there? But I don't know. Did they do? Did they do the terraforming for that very reason? Or I don't. I don't think they did because my general consensus on this is, is the the fact that she goes, "Oh, this is this planet." Um, now, how, there's been people there for. He said quite long, didn't he? He said like I can't remember how long they'd already been there. 60, like, I was doing it, but it was sixty like ten years or something. Yeah, they've already been there. So I, I don't think they did 
because I think they would have ventured out a bit earlier. No, I think that they they did stumble across. Well, it wasn't stumbling across though, was it? Because it well, was, they were sent out there to look for the, 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 this after after Ripley had. Um, and I didn't, and this is the thing, I only clicked on watching it this time, that, yeah, so, um, Burke, they'd obviously, Ripley done what they dare said, like, if you go to this place, yeah. there's a fucking big alien ship, and they'd go, well, I haven't fucking seen it, and it's like, well, no one explored the planet before <laughs> they did it, that's fucked, so I'm like, well, all right, there's a, a gap there, but I'm like, so they went and explored, and Newt, it's Newt's family that that's do it, correct. and then obviously they get the face hugger, and then suddenly they don't hear from it. But all that's a pre, you know, pre pre plot from Burke to get to see if oh well if this is true, let's go and find out. Oh fucking hell, it is true. They're all fucking. We we, we don't know really. Yeah, yeah, we don't really know what's happened. But I'm going to go and find out and then maybe bring the shit back. So what 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 we'll do? We'll just take a few marines, not many, just a few, <laughs> and we'll take uh, uh, we'll take Ripley back. Um, yeah. There were quite a few, though, weren't there? There was at least. Oh, I suppose they didn't know what they were dealing with. They probably, if if they were going back, they were put. You know, you got to think about um, Ripley. She probably thinks there's probably just one alien again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're you're going on the premises. There possibly might be one alien, and if you're going to go there with a load of fucking big ass guns and loads of marines, you're probably going to be safe. How long between them? Between it going dark and then getting to the moon i don't think they say but um, I don't think it's, it's not going to be long because there's obviously but they go into stasis yeah so but the, them to... you've got to think about new as well so, so she's still pretty much the same age yeah so she's been remember she ripley says newt's been here surviving on her own this long and you're already moaning about being here <laughs> like you know so I don't, I don't really know i don't think it's long long you know because there's still people six, alive. But if we're talking six months, I don't, then, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know because just, remember, there's still people cocooned and still alive. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. just interesting to see how quickly, you know, because I don't think the time scale is that long. Mm. How quickly between them getting a face hugger mm. and there being a whole um, hive queen. <laughs> well, there's a hive. But I got issues with this to start with. There's a whole hive being created, like all this weird bio technical or bio um, stuff everywhere, you know, all on the walls down there. Yeah. So that's all like an, uh, that, it's almost creating an atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's their own creating their own, so they terraformed and now they're creating their own atmosphere from their own sort of like xenomorph and stuff like that. Yeah. But, and there's shitloads of aliens because there's obviously aliens that have popped out. This is my one question. Go. How Shit. the fuck did the queen get to be the queen so you could you could you could easily solve this by you don't you don't know yeah but you don't know what eggs are in all those face huggers what if there's a special queen face hugging egg that one of them got <laughs> you don't no, know. no 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 it could be it no, could be that it's just like there's enough. different forms because there's different forms of aliens do you know what i mean there's yeah. different types so Fucking one of those egg no, that makes. Do you know what? That makes that makes a little bit of sense. I can see what you mean. There, one of the face huggers is the queen face hugger, or it's just natural selection, or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So the the thing with this movie, right, 
is that now I don't want to jump in so too far, but obviously we meet um, Bishop, which is played by Lance Henriksen, that look, looks like a fucking cyborg anyway, or a synthetic human. Um, I think that was really clever putting him in as well, because obviously um, um, Ripley has a massive kind of hate for synthetic humans, as in she should do, obviously. Um, that was really a really cool add to the storyline, I thought. he was he, he's, he's a really interesting character, and kind of forming that relationship with him and trusting him and stuff we'll talk about that later um but the biggest thing for this is just like i I forgot so much well not not so much i've watched it loads but the biggest thing for me is the, the way it's just kind of drawn out and you know there's something's going to happen but that it takes so long for them to actually get on get on the planet get in there, look around, and you just know something's going to happen. And it's the dread of that happening that is so clever. It just keeps you on your toes for quite a long time. And with that as well, I'll add to that as well, Some it's the sounds that sort of make it, but it's like um, the beeps, the, 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 yeah. motion, the motion detectors yeah. makes this movie, I think that's what brings the horror for me when I was a kid. It still give me a little bit of goosebumps now. It's the, yes. the motion sentences are what really go. Oh my god! It's like the, it's like the Jaws, you know, the Jaws tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally with you, man, totally. Yeah. That's what creates that sort of tension and but like it's so clever, isn't it? Just yeah. a little thing on a kind of TV. Beep 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 beep. Getting fast, yeah. and you're it's like fucking clever, man. And it's just like yeah, it's so clever how they make you feel so uneasy. Like and they 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 fool you. They 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 trick you it's like oh first of all it's like the fucking gerbils or whatever it was hamsters yeah and you're like oh fucking hell and then and then you know things falling down and and kind of finding shit and you just you're on edge because you know what's going to happen because you've seen these things this things before but they don't know what the fuck's going on do you know no and, and then they, and then there's new and all this sort of other stuff that they sort of locate that it all adds to it and then used brilliantly later on in um you know the scene where they're in the fucking they're sort of five meters three meters oh my god that's in the room you know yeah, and they're in the fucking scene in the ceiling i mean you know it's just br- it's absolutely brilliant that's one of my favorite scenes is that whole setting up of the robo sentries those <sighs> fucking robo sentries are fucking another thing though is it's like you don't see what's happening but you've got these remote guns that are set up to to get rid of these things and you know you're limited on ammo but you don't the, the great thing is they don't show it and it, you just hear it again like you said the sounds of them screaming and the guns going off and 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 you're so nervous for them because you're seeing the counters going down like a guns down by this much b guns down by this much and you're like they're fucked, man. They're like yeah. they are completely fucked. They're just it's like ten gone. left, ten ten left or something yeah. like that. It's fucking nuts. It's just mental. It's just like the anticipation of that happening and like keeping you on the edge of the seat. And again, you're still not really kind of like you know. Obviously, we've had the encounter where they found them and they take out a load of marines, which is fucking insane. Um, because that bit where they run back to the armored vehicle. And they all jump in. You think, oh, they're safe. And then that bit always fucking it scared me in this bit as well. Because I'm on the big <laughs> screen. Um, is when the alien gets his fingers in, in the doors and pulls it. 
and then they get the shotgun and then hit um uh drake gets fucking taken away and just fucking acid all over him and he's gone man he's gone no and it's like <laughs> such a tense scene and then yeah. it's like then he gets the you get the you right he gets the hicks gets the shotgun and then he gets um acid on him and stuff like that and it's like fucked and it like or, or hudson gets acid on him and it's fucking like there's some cool one-liners in it as well like how do i get out of this chicken shit outfit um and then you know the cool hicks saying i like to keep this for close encounters and it's like because they're not allowed to use any of their pulse rifles and it's the whole point of them coming yeah. and it's like fucking hell they can't even use their cool shit um the hand knife game i thought was wicked that was that you know that's that was very irresponsible because <laughs> that's that you had that at, at my school yeah, you know everybody did it. compass compass hand yeah. Stop your grin and drop your linen. Yeah. <laughs> fucking it. And then obviously the best, the, be, the best line in the whole fucking movie. That's it. Game over, man. Game over. It's just fucking. Oh. Yeah, let's, let's one Going back to the connection now, Ripley needed something. Obviously, they needed that hook for her to be like way into this. Because, again, they said, you know, probably not even going to set your foot through the door. And there she is in the thick of it. She goes in with the Marines and everything. But what I love is the relationship obviously is clever because she has a relationship with Newt. Now, Newt is around the same age as her daughter was when she left. So it's just so clever how they just go, right, well, she's going to be paternally wanting to look after Newt. So in theory, Newt is kind of like the new Jonesy the cat. <laughs> yeah, if you like, yeah. So she has to go back <laughs> and get her. Um, but obviously she forms this relationship for her and promises her that she's not. And obviously we go through the film with her trying to, you know, get her through this and stuff. But this is what I love about it. It's just, it goes batshit crazy. Now, if you were in Ripley's shoes and, you know, Newt has got stolen by the aliens and probably taken back to, to obviously be another host or whatever. And you've got, they're going to, Look, blow up this whole fucking planet and you've got what 15 minutes she's like that's cool i'm gonna i don't care i'm gonna save it just make sure you wait here would you go <laughs> fuck me into the lion's den <laughs> fuck no i not ripley ripley's a badass man mate you would be on that but that, let's go she, roll out she fucking just like yeah but she's already saved her once from that bloody from getting a face hugger scene and stuff like that it's like that wicked yeah, we, didn't even, we didn't even talk about the whole burke double cross which yeah is the burke double cross is ace it's like and that's a really one of the most horrific scenes is that whole stalking of the bloody of those two fucking space um face huggers because you mean at first you think there's just one and then there's a little bit of music and there's another one that creeps up and, oh my god the horror aspect oh. coming in straight away yeah big time yeah. It's just like, it's so clever because that whole scene is just, it's like another story within the story. Yeah. So you've got the story with Newt. You've got the story with the Marines. You've got the story with Burke trying to double cross them. You know, you've got the story with the aliens hosting, you know, all these bodies and, and you've got so many different things in the film yeah. and it just all works so well. Doesn't so, come, so doesn't come over top on top of each other. It just works. It flows. And yeah. when she finally does confront the, the queen for the first time you know oh that's just crazy hell. i forgot I, well, I, say, I say i forgot i watch the film all the time but every time i watch it, i forget how 
fucking cool that looks. She just blows all those fucking eggs. She's like, fuck you, bitch. And it's like, I'm going to fucking kill all your fucking eggs. But this that's the best bit, is that I love that, where the aliens come side by side and they come in to protect the queen. And the queen's like, nah, fucking get back because she's going to burn everything. She's going to kill my babies. And it's when that pod opens (laughs) and Ripley does that little look with her eyes and it's like, you didn't fucking play the game, bitch. (laughs) And it's like, and she just fucking tortures a lot and it's fucking brilliant. I love it. I was just screaming and go at the TV going, don't waste all your ammo for fuck's sake. It's just, it's just absolutely crazy. Aliens coming out from everywhere. It's fucking and, eggs, man. And not only that, you get that dreaded thing of the whole lift thing. And, oh. and even now when I go to go in the lift or work or whatever, and I press the button for it to close, I always get worried that someone's going to come up and, you know, grab the lift because, you know, she's waiting in the lift and the button's not working. It's like, oh, my God. And you just want it to close. And oh, it just finally closes. And you're like, shit, the bed. But I just love the I love the understanding of this creature, this this queen. It's like, fucking you, bitch. You just fucking blew all my shit up. Mm, all I'm my having, children. Yeah, I'm having you. I'm she fucking put a lot of work into those eggs. Yeah. And she ripped a fucking little... She ripped her little, you know, production off and she's like, I'm coming after you, fucking cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. And then she obviously, then you get the fucking battle. Right. Know. Yeah. Well, when you watched it originally, when I watched that originally, I was like, that's, that's it. There's got to be. Because they fly off and then you're like, there's no way that this can continue because you know they're all they're all fine they're on the ship they got away and then you just kind of get this moment of like hang on a minute well this is drawn out and that moment where just bishop gets fucking <laughs> split in two he's like <gasps> remember see i wish it's, i could go back and watch that for the first time again i know man it's, <laughs> it's so it's so visceral even though it's a synthetic human you feel his fucking fear because yeah, he's actually he looks actually scared because he's actually you know he's actually got feelings like he says in it he's got feelings do you know what i mean yeah and <laughs> his fucking bits are going everywhere it's like all this fucking shit's just all the not, milk all, all over the, yeah, all the milk everywhere it's fucking mental and then it's like that fight between her and uh you know um in right. what, what do you call it what's the power the power lifter power get lifter. away from her you bitch but that bit is like still you know when you get that feeling of the hairs on the back of your neck and your balls going you know, a little bit you know you get that little feeling you tighten up and you're like when she comes out and that's it's like oh it's game on now bitch like, yes! i'm as big as you now and she knows how to work this thing as we've seen at the start which yeah because like, oh, a woman can't drive one of these fuck you bitch i'm doing this and like and literally the the whole fight sequence is just insane it's just like She's grabbing her, the little fucking teeth coming at her, and she's having to move her head. And it's the just, tail. Yeah, it's so intense. The tail, yeah, whack, whacking around. And, she, you know, Ripley knows what she's doing, mate. She's got to find the, ne- the nearest fucking airlock. And she's got to take a big gamble on this because she knows that Newt's up there. And I think that's a big gamble on pushing that button and opening those doors. Because you're like, everything's going to get sucked down. Not very hard, not very fast, but... Uh, the, the bit I always laugh at is when 
Bishop gets dragged by the pressure. His his little body's going along the floor and gets dragged. <laughs> and, he, and he obviously grabs uh, uh, Newt's hand and stuff, which is great. Um, yeah, not bad for a human. Um, but yeah, I just love it. I just fucking love it. Because she's just like, that whole fight scene. You know, you think it's over, it's not. You think it's over, it's not again. Um, yeah, fuck, what, what a movie. Yeah. What a movie. Fucking ace, mate. All right, come on. We talked it to death. I want to hear some fucking Matt's facts. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. There's, mate, I, I, I know I always say on every episode how many there was, but this probably had the most facts. I could have sat there all day and read, but, you know, I had to pick some. So here we go. Matt's facts. So it was quite a long time between Alien and Aliens. We had a seven-year gap, and apparently it was it was quite um, a long gap due to people's um, there was various lawsuits and stuff going on, and it pushed it on and pushed it on, uh, which was crazy. But you think you think seven years is quite a long time, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it's kind of glad I'm glad I'm glad they waited. So this, this is quite a weird one. This one, the Arnold Schwarzenegger connection. So Schwarzenegger, obviously James Cameron was due to do Terminator, um, he handed in a script of Aliens to Fox. Fox apparently were not very happy with the script. They said it wasn't really good enough. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be in Terminator. Well, sorry, he was in Terminator, obviously. Um, but James Cameron um, was due to do Terminator. And he said he can't really commit to doing Aliens anymore. And then... Arnie had a call saying you have to do Conan the Barbarian uh, before you do anything else because he was, you know, due to go on. And then James Cameron's like, cool, you go and do that. James Cameron had an extra nine months to, to work on the script and hand it in. Um, and therefore, Fox were like, this script is brilliant. We're, we're going with it. So they got to make Aliens thanks to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. Thank That's you, awesome. Arnie. Can you imagine if he'd done Terminator? I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, he had enough, t- James Cameron had enough time to get the script done and hand it in um, as a better job. Obviously, Terminator was done and in the can after that. Sorry. Sigourney Weaver nearly didn't be in this movie. What? Yeah, she nearly was not in this movie because Fox weren't happy because she wanted $1 million to be in. $1 million! Which is chump change nowadays, but I suppose back then it's probably a lot. Um she got paid a lot less for Alien. I think she got paid something like crazy small for Alien. Fucking Marlon uh, Brando got paid like a million dollars, I think, to do Superman, and he was in it for fucking ten minutes. But that's the Brando, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, but she was nearly not going to be in it. But basically, James Cameron said, "Fuck you, I'm not doing it without Sigourney." So I, I, su- I suggest you kind of renegotiate, um, and they did. And obviously, she came back and put in a performance of a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Rising that role uh, was crazy, crazy. So all the guys that played Marines were fully, fully trained by real Marines and went to um, be trained up for four weeks, apparently. And they were told to read the novelization of Starship Troopers. And I can see that. Yeah. Completely. Um, they were told to read the book um, of the Starship Troopers um, because they wanted a, that kind of feel of this is what it's like to be a space kind of marine and obviously they based it on vietnam as well 
<clears throat> but that was a big thing, which I thought was really, really interesting, um, which was cool. Um, also, obviously, movie a lot of the movie was shot in Pinewoods, good in the good old UK, and one particular set in, uh, for example, where the Alien Queen was, you know, like you know, with the cocoon and everything, the Alien Queen puppet and the eggs was set up at Acton. Um, can't remember what it's called. Acton Leaves, I think it's called. Um, is it was filmed there, but they also used that set after for the Batman movie. Where wow. That's where the, where Jack Nicholson becomes the Joker. That whole scene is shot in exactly the same place, which is quite interesting. There was a line of figures brought out six years after Aliens was released. Um, they were supposed to coincide with an alien cartoon that just got like never made and they released the figures and uh, I don't really like them but they're all kind of like really different versions you haven't got any then? no not of those I've got the NECA line and stuff like that but it was yeah not not for me so Newt let's talk about Newt for a little bit so Newt was played by Carrie Henn that was the only film she ever did. Really? Yeah. And then in later life, she became a teacher. And she's been at a few cons and stuff. We've seen her. We, a few yeah. Cons. But yeah, she only she, that was the only film she ever did. Um, and you know the start where she's in the little buggy with her parents? Yeah. And her brother. That's her brother in real life. That's Just fucking a, cool, man. A bit of Matt's facts. So my last little fact, um, and this was really interesting. So there was a lot of apparently onset issues a lot of people um kind of was really really loyal to ridley scott in the first alien a lot of people worked on aliens were um sorry worked on alien worked on aliens as well so they obviously saw this new lad come in james cameron only 31 so that's quite young at the time um, hadn't had really any movies behind him and so the crew were very reluctant to help him out but Cameron really tried to kind of like get a relationship with them. So apparently he arranged for, before it even came out, he got a copy of his obviously new film Terminator. And he's like, I'm going to show it to the whole crew to tell them and show them that I can fucking do a movie. And this is yeah. a movie. And he said, right, I'm going to do a screening for you all totally free. And hardly no one turned up. Ah, which is really, really sad bit of news. But I mean, it's well documented that apparently James Cameron is, is quite, uh, uh, a, a bit of a feisty person to work with but anyhow he went back to work all the workers came back to work and the assistant director started taking over this allegedly taking over the, the kind of shoot as trying to be the actual director so basically he got fired so the assistant director got fired because he's just trying to take he's trying to tell Cameron how to do shots and stuff like that and then um yeah they were going to kind of like not get on board with it and then the producer just said to them all she said basically you've got to give him a chance you've got to get in there and, and, and just do this because you know you're going to be part of something big and uh, they all went back to work and obviously finally made it a bit sad really that they wouldn't really back him up um but yeah it, it's good that it got made in the end yeah bloody hell sounds like a right old drama one little funny thing that i will touch on because fox is just they don't like trust anybody it sounds like um it was quite funny they were saying oh you know you spent most of your budget um show us what you've done with a lot of your budget and okay 
they showed him like the set pieces and, and kind of like you know all this kind of like stages and stuff like that and they showed him a load of pictures and they were like well that's where all your money's gone like and pointed at photos like this set that that vehicle that vehicle you've made this vehicle you've made and they're like well yeah that's great but they're all miniatures so we've already fooled you so they actually thought the miniatures were actually sets and they were saying you've spent all that money on all that but they were actually miniatures and they had to spend they had spent a lot on other stuff like props and and actors and stuff like that which was quite wow. yeah <laughs> nuts man it's crazy isn't it but it's, it just proves to you how sometimes people will not just let go of ownership of getting too much involvement and restraining people and it just makes you think if they had done like, not made these choices and people stood their ground and you know fought for things that they really believed in Fucking, can you imagine this movie might not have never been made? Yeah. It's just crazy. Fucking nuts, mate. Best to think, you know? But there you go. That Thanks was... for that, mate. That was awesome. Good load of facts there. Great movie. What are you rating it? Well, probably Turn. a two. two. <laughs> no. A, a, an easy 10 breaths out of 10, mate. Without a oh, date. Anybody want to come at me, you can come around my house and knock on my door and argue with me because it's, it's flawless as far as i'm concerned it's one of my favorite movies from when i grow up it's 10 for me as well i think that puts it on par with alien for 10 and 10 we gave that one a 10 so yeah definitely I, that, I mean i visit this this movie often i watch the extras and everything i like i've got posters i've met, <laughs> i've met most of the cast i've met lance henriksen twice i met sigourney um, I've got all the NECA toys. I love, I love all that shit. Yeah, man. Uh, give me it all day, all day. I'm such a big fan, and I really want to buy a pulse rifle. <laughs> For who? <laughs> For me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So, Mister P Butcher, you are picking our next movie. What you got for me? Hit me. Uh, what have I got to do? I've got to try and beat aliens, have I? Well, no, I'm not going to beat aliens. So I'm just going to bring some. I'm going to bring a bit of fun. I think I'm going to bring a bit of fun because I haven't watched this. I haven't watched this movie for fucking a long, long time. So this would be a first watch in maybe 20, 25 years, I think. So um, I am going to pick Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Oh, yeah, the aliens. Aren't I lucky? I got a lumpy bit. Mate, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this movie in fucking ages, man. I've no idea if it's any good. I've got no fucking it's no. Fuck, mem- it's I just. I only bought it. I only wanted. I got so many stories about why I want to watch. Why about this movie? This. Mate, this is- I, I've got a story about that already. I'll tell you about it when we talk about. Right, cool. That's an awesome pick, mate. And wow, wow, wow! Looking forward to that. I haven't seen that in yeah the same so long. Probably yeah twenty years. And a new director, another new director as well, because we haven't done, obviously, Peter Jackson did a couple of treats back in the day. This 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 one, Meet the Feebles and um, Brain Dead as well. I love the synergy there. How we talked about um, R.I.P. Ian Holm, who had the connection to Alien and The Hobbit. And Mr. Peter Jackson, it all comes into place. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> as if I thought and planned it. <laughs> <laughs> Never. 
<laughs> oh, wicked. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Mate, I loved that. That was so much fun, talking about aliens. Definitely, man. Fucking loved it. Actually, really, really enjoyed rewatching it again. So I guess, like, next episode, we've got to look forward to our main review, which we're not sure <laughs> what that's going to no, be. Probably. Something to scream about. Could be quite interesting. We've got a couple of ideas floating about. We'll keep you in suspense on that one. And then uh, let you know in uh, check social media. And I've just pulled Move from the Vault, Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. How? Yeah. And there's only one more thing to say. When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at DrawOneLast, Instagram at DrawOneLastBreath, or pop us an email at DrawOneLastBreathPod at Hotmail.com. <laughs>